Let's pray together. Father, the beauty of this season, the beauty of this service, points us toward true beauty that is found in the gospel alone. And I pray that as we spend just a few moments reflecting upon the season that you have given us, that this gospel would become real to us, that we would find we're caught up in more than sentiment, find that we are indeed connected to and engaged with you who love us and who have brought, brought us back into relationship with you through your son, Jesus. So be with us in this time, we ask, to your own honor and to your own glory. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, I had lunch with a pastor in the area who tells the story of the Christmas thingamabob, the Christmas thingamabob. It begins with Tom and Sarah, who are a couple who don't have a whole lot of money, which is fine, but it means that every year they have to get kind of creative when it comes to giving each other Christmas gifts. And so here we are a few days before Christmas, and Tom is found in the attic searching for something that he might be able to repurpose as a gift for his wife. And there it is that he finds it. He's not exactly sure what it is. It looks like some kind of small brass ornament, and he thinks, yeah, if I shine that up, it would look really nice upon our mantelpiece. And so he puts it in his pocket, and down the stairs he goes. A couple of nights later, while Sarah is wrapping presents in the other room, Tom pulls out this item, whatever it quite may be, and and polishes it up till it just shines and gleams. And he wraps it carefully, and he puts a bow around it, and he writes a thoughtful card, and then he places it under the tree, waiting for his wife. The next morning comes at Christmas morning, and they exchange their gifts. And Sarah, who is always gracious about his repurposed gifts, genuinely seems to to like this one. She comments upon its beauty and its intricate uh, pattern. She comments upon how it it glistens in uh, the light. And then she asks, uh, it it really is beautiful, but but what is it? Uh, Tom pauses and stops and says, you know, I thought you might ask this question. Um, you know, I thought it would be a, a nice ornament for our, for our mantelpiece. Sarah replies, I agree, that, that's true, but, but, but what is it? Tom paused and thought and then said, well, let's just call it the Christmas thingamabob. The Christmas thingamabob from my heart to yours. They both smile and Sarah slid her hand along the mantel, knocking off various cards that they've received to place the Christmas thingamabob right in the middle of the mantelpiece. Sarah was pleased enough, but what she had really wanted for Christmas that year was the same thing that she had wanted for Christmases over many of the past years. Uh, When uh, she was small, she remembered playing in her grandfather's house under this great clock that he himself had made. And a couple of years ago, her parents had actually gifted her with this clock. So this grandfather clock, actually made by her grandfather, stood in her house. And she loved to look back on those memories of uh, playing around it and listening to it tick and to it talk and waiting with anticipation for it to chime and really just having this sense of rest and peace when she was playing in its shadow. Unfortunately, the clock had not worked since they had moved it into their home. Various friends had tried to figure out why, but for some reason they couldn't get it working. 
Some months ago, Tom had actually called a couple of places to see if he could get it fixed for Christmas. And he told them about the clock and told them about the problem. And he was assured that, yes, we we probably could get this fixed, but it would probably cost us a couple of hundred dollars. This was a couple hundred dollars more than Tom and Sarah had, a couple hundred dollars more than they ever had. And so the clock stood there silently. Fast forward a few years until something amazing happens. Tom and Sarah have friends over for dinner one night, and after a great meal, uh, they move into the living room to continue with their conversation, and uh, Sarah is standing by the fireplace with her friend Kim, who remarks upon uh, the Christmas thingamabob. Sarah picks it up and tells the story as she had done a hundred times before, how Tom had been scurrying around in the attic and, and found it and polished it and gifted it to her, how she had liked it immediately, and how, though neither of them knew exactly what it was, they both felt that it just fit in their household. That moment, Kim's husband, Jeff, returned from the bathroom and walked over to where Kim and Sarah were standing by the fireplace. And seeing the thingamabob in Sarah's hand, he said, Wow, I haven't seen one of those in a long time. Sarah stopped, locked eyes with her husband, Tom, turned back to Jeff and said, You know what this is? Jeff said, Yeah, it's part of an old clock. My father taught me about this when he showed me how pendulums work. Sarah stopped breathing. Tom smiled as the realization dawned on them both. And then after frantically explaining the situation to their guests, both couples ran upstairs to where the grandfather clock stood so silently. Turning it on its side, about an hour later, the thingamabob was no longer on the mantle, but was in fact inside the clock which now stood ticking and talking and chiming as if it were as good as new. The thingamabob was nice on the mantle, but it was meant for the clock, and it brought a joy there that it couldn't have brought anywhere else. Why do I tell you this story? Because for many of us, perhaps many of us here tonight, the celebration of Christmas can be a little bit like that thingamabob. We find it in the attic of family tradition. We maybe recognize that there is some beauty about it, and maybe over the years we kind of develop a sentimental attachment to it. But detached from its true purpose, it is also detached from the true joy that it is intended to bring. Of course, we should enjoy all the sights and sounds of Christmas. Enjoy getting the tree, enjoy turning that into a family outing, enjoy the excitement that it brings the children. Enjoy taking out the Christmas decorations, perhaps you add a new decoration every year or so, but you find that it is the old decorations that mean the most to you. That crooked star that you'll place on top of your tree. Those decorations that have been wrapped carefully in tissue paper and stowed in a dusty box from year to year, that wreath for your front door, that nativity scene that you will uh, unpack lovingly on the dining room table, perhaps that advent calendar that brings a morsel of, of Christmas to every single day. Enjoy setting aside that closet that you then forbid your spouse from going into, and enjoy seeing them mysteriously scurrying around the house with uh, bulges under their coats and then pretending not uh, to notice them. 
and enjoy listening to the Christmas music and perhaps even singing some of your favorites here at church amidst friendly faces and the glow of candles and the warmth of poinsettias. Enjoy going home and the fragrance of gingerbread and spices and excitement and enjoy writing a letter to Santa and leaving milk and cookies out and a carrot or two for the reindeers and enjoy putting the kids to bed and then fingers to lips and whispers and tiptoes as stockings are filled and presents laid out. Enjoy all of these things. But when Christmas morning comes, we need to hear the word that makes sense of it all. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Unto you is born this day a Savior. If you don't realize that Christmas is about a Savior, then your thingamabob is still on the mantle. You've detached Christmas from its true purpose, and you've detached Christmas from the true joy that it can bring. See, I believe what Christians have always believed, that, that I'm a sinner, that God laid out a good design for how I might enjoy his love and love him in return. But like an unfaithful spouse, I've been more focused on myself than this relationship. It's the ultimate story of unrequited love. Except I'm the adulterer, not the hero. And it's not just me. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There isn't a single person in this room, even a single person in this world who could stand before God and be proud of every thought they have had, every word they have spoken, every deed they have performed. When we're honest with ourselves, we know that this is true. And I believe this Christmas what Christians have always believed, that our sin is serious, that our sin leads to death, that when you reject someone, you willingly cut yourself off from the benefits that they bring. When you get divorced, you wouldn't expect to continue sharing a beautiful home with your ex-spouse. And so rejecting God is the same, only on a much greater scale. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. That all who reject God end up getting exactly what they asked for, an eternity without him. But this means an eternity devoid of all that he is and all the benefits that he brings. Love and joy and goodness and beauty and truth and life itself. Such a place can only be described as hell. And like a child who runs away from home, we all realize eventually that we've been so foolish. But this Christmas, I also believe what Christians have always believed, and that's that Jesus came to save sinners. Jesus came to save sinners like me. I have earned death and separation from God, but Jesus came to take that punishment for me, dying on the cross, being separated from God there, then rising again because death wasn't powerful enough to hold him. And that's what the Bible means when it calls Jesus our substitute. It's he took what we deserved, namely death, in order that he might give us what we don't deserve, namely life. And so the Bible says that though the wages of sin is death, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so this Christmas, I believe what Christians have always believed, that he'll save me and he'll save you if you believe in him. 
The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And it's really not what we'd expect. It's really not what we'd expect. Like any betrayed spouse, we'd expect that God would require us to clean up our act before we were back in relationship with him. We'd expect that God would give us one more chance but threaten that we really better not mess it up this time. And instead he comes with an offer of grace. He says, I will not force you back into relationship with me. I will not force you to be in this relationship with me. But I do welcome you home with open arms. And all that's required of you is that you would want to come home. Is that you would want to come home. And so anyone who believes that Jesus came to die and rise again for their sins is forgiven and embraced and brought back into relationship with God. Without our understanding of Jesus as Savior, Christmas is nothing more than sentiment, ultimately nothing more than dust, detached from its true purpose, detached from the joy it was intended to bring. But when you see that the thingamabob was not meant for the mantle but for the clock, your joy is multiplied. And when you see that your Savior was not meant for the cradle but for the cross, your joy is made complete. Let me ask you this evening, do you believe these things? Do you believe that you're a sinner? Do you believe that sin leads to death? Do you believe that Jesus came to save you? Do you believe that you're forgiven because you believe in him? Maybe this is why you're here tonight. To see afresh or to see for the very first time that unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Don't leave him on the mantle. Connect to the true purpose of Christmas. Connect to the true source of joy, Jesus Christ, your Savior. Amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, when we attempt to describe your love for us, we end up grasping at air because we just can't get our arms around the beauty of the gospel, that you would take a people who have rebelled against you, a people who deserve death, and you would shower us with love, that you would send your son to die for us so that just by believing in him, by coming and saying, Lord, I recognize I've not lived the life I ought to have lived. I recognize I still don't live the life I ought to have lived. And I ask that you would forgive me for my sin, not because I deserve it, but because Jesus has taken the punishment on my behalf. We say these words, Lord, you, you welcome us back with open arms and we find the true purpose of Christmas, the true joy that is here. Lord, I pray that not a single person in this room would leave the thingamabob on the mantle, but that we would all put our hope in Christ. In his mighty and matchless name we pray. Amen.